On an Airstream, check out our book, Restoring a Dream, available on Amazon.com. Have a specific episode you want to hear? No problem. Head over to thevap.locals.com. You can listen to any episode, anytime. Stream it directly to your phone or on your computer. You can also pick from one of our many curated playlists to hear specific topics. So head on over to thevap.locals.com. For Friday, October 28th, 2011, you're listening to The Vap, episode 148, The Common Airstreamers. With two tons of aluminum hitched to his bumper, cruising down the internet superhighway, The Vap is streaming right to your ears. Vintage Airstream Podcast. And now your host for the Vintage Airstream Podcast, Tim Shepard. Living in Illuminati. Back again, episode 148. I'm your host, Tim Shepard, and I have with us Colin Hyde. Welcome, Colin. Good day, everybody. Coming to you again from beautiful Peru, New York, where it's it's actually been pretty nice. It's a little bit gray out in the last few days, but uh, sort of the 50s, 50s in the day, uh, 30s at night. We're supposed to get some snow, but... Uh, um, I think it missed us and hit uh, hit Rob. <laughs> Let's find out. It's Rob Baker's with us. Welcome, Rob. Did you get snow? Good evening, everybody. Uh, yes, uh, it's snowing here now, and here in Plymouth, New York, actually home and uh, enjoying the first snow of the year. So it's nice. Oh, very cool. Yeah, it was a little cold here. I think it got to seventy three, and had to put my <laughs> had to put my jacket on. Wasn't really used to that. It was turned your air conditioner down a little bit. Yeah. It's exactly 32, Tim, coming home from football tonight. Oh, wow. Hey, uh, Frank Jensen, uh, <laughs> he got a hold of me earlier, and uh, he's not feeling well. He's feeling under the weather, so he's taking the night off. So we wish Frank some well wishes. Um, any news to report, guys, before we delve right into it? we got a few voicemails and questions that will keep us busy, I think. Well, I, I got a new employee. Oh, good! And uh, and I'm in the process of hiring another one because we're we're real busy and uh, it's wonderful having the new shop and more staff and whatnot to take care of everybody. So I'm looking forward to a, a great, nice, warm winter in the new shop. Yeah does yeah. The, does it business pick up over the winter time because people are uh, not using their trailers? Well, you know, everybody always says, "Oh, you know, can we can we bring it in?" Because you know that must be your downtime, right? And it's we don't have any downtime. It's always busy. Well, that's good. I, I yeah, I kind of went on a little recovery mission this week, Tim. So really, well, do tell. And vintage, it's like a hundred years old, and it's and it's somewhat airstream related because I'm I'm gonna hold a uh, uh, airstream get together next year around this. Uh, device that I purchased. It's a it's a, early, uh, a boiler for your sugar shack. Nope, nope. That, that's uh, it's it's the other. It's the end of this end of the summertime. It's a vintage 1920s uh, Apple press. Oh, cool! 
for doing cider. Oh, excellent. And and uh, so next fall we're going to hold a little uh, weekend fall apple press pumpkin festival type of get together here at the farm. So um, Oh, neat. Yep, I I I had to go out towards Buffalo to get it loaded on the trailer and brought it back and it's very vintage, it's quite large and uh I can fit probably a bushel and a half in the in the in the bucket before you press. You get about four to four and a half, five gallons of cider per press. It's yeah, pretty we, cool. This, this is apple country up here and uh right now, I mean uh apples are phenomenal, but I'll tell you what Apple cider, I, I got a, a, a gallon of apple cider every week now at the grocery store. It's wonderful. Yep, yep. yep. I pressed uh, two and a half gallons the night I brought it home, and then we pressed five, uh, three gallons yesterday. My dad came over, and on the way back through Watkins Glen, we, we kind of did the, the route when we did the the Colin and Rob Air Force Rally. Together, Colin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, and when I hit Watkins Glen, I popped in a apple orchard, and I was like three miles from one. So I pulled over there, and they, I bought sixteen bushel of apples. I took the whole bin, and I brought it home on the trailer with me. And, uh, <laughs> very fearful because I had the press up front, and I had the the sixteen bushel apple, a big, you know, four foot by four foot bin, probably four foot high, you know, cider apple mix, and I was so fearful, tongue weight all the way back. Because it's just a little single axle trailer, and it was bottoming out every bump I hit. I need definitely needed a new torsion axle. Well, oddly enough, I've just done that <laughs> on my fl- flatbed car trailer. Uh, over the last uh, few days, we installed a torsion axle on uh, my old uh, race car trailer, and uh, it, it's it's pretty cool. So yeah, uh, you should do that, Rob. <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> So next fall, Tim, we're going to have to fly you out with some frequent flyer miles. Right. There you go. To to attend the Baker's Acres Apple Press Rally. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> well, we had uh, a few people donate to the VAP by uh, heading over to thevap.com and uh, using PayPal and uh, got some DVD sets. So I appreciate those who did that. But we also had uh, we had a pre-sale. Somebody pre-purchased the uh, third in the series, the 101 to 150. That's <laughs> that we're not even done with 150 episodes yet. So I guess we're pre-selling wow. the DVDs now. Yeah, no, cool. don't they do that for like movies and things? Sure, movies and books and stuff. So why not uh, the VAP DVDs, right? <laughs> that's right. We got a, quite a few questions this week, so uh, I think we should go ahead and get started. The first one's from uh, Giuseppe, Massachusetts. Uh, he has a 1969 Sovereign, and he's got a couple questions. He's doing a shell-off uh, restoration, and he wants to know about some panel repairs and whatnot. So uh, let's have a listen from Giuseppe. He called into the uh, VAP voicemail line at 707 707- Five three three four eight two seven. That's for VAP. So make a note of that. Program on your cell phone, and when you're out running around and have a question about your trailer, give us a call. Let's, let's play a question from Giuseppe. Hi, my name's Giuseppe. I'm calling from Middleborough, Massachusetts. I'm calling with the questions in regards to my uh, 1969 Sovereign. Um, I have to do a, a show off so I could replace the floor. 
my question uh, pertains to the panel, so I need to do some, some body work to it, replacing panels. Is it better to do it after I put the shell back on or to do it before I remove the shell? So uh, just looking for some advice from you pros. Thank you. Thanks, Giuseppe. Uh, interesting question there. He's got to pull the shell off to fix his floor, so uh, is it better to do it when it's attached to the uh, body or uh, or to the to the chassis rather, or is it better to do it when it's free floating? Well, it's definitely better to do it when it's attached, um, be it before or after. I do them after uh, after you put the body back on. Uh, you know, as I do rotisserie jobs, the, the chassis is completely separated from the body, so I don't want the body to uh, have any kind of shifting any more than it has to in the, in the process. So I do mine after the fact. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. Seems like it would be more uh, if you're you were doing it because you have damage to the floor, or maybe the chassis. So after you put it all back together, seems like it, that's the time it would be squared up the most, right? Exactly. You know, you level up everything when you're putting the body back on again. You attach the body, and then you can drill out the specific sections that you need to and uh, refit new panels. It's probably not critical if you do it the other way around, but that's just how I do it uh, based on timing more than anything else, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say after as well, and while it's on the back on the on the chassis. Yeah, I mean, if, if you do if you do it before and you take the chassis out or the shell off, and for some unforsaken reason something happens, you could damage the one you just replaced. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> so get it back on, get it stabilized, and do it with it back on the shell. Yeah, there you go. That's the way to do it, Giuseppe. Very cool. Take some pictures for us. Um, the next question is from Tom from Huntsville. He has a uh, 67 Overlander with a carefree awning, and he's got some questions about uh, his awning and how to fix it up, I think. Let's listen to Tom here. Hey, this is uh, Tom in Huntsville. Uh, Frank, on his uh, Facebook page, put out a call for common folks to give us some questions or comments. Okay, since I fit in that category, uh, there is something that's come up recently. I have a carefree awning on my 1967 Overlander. I need to replace the awning. I've agitated about this for quite some time now, and it looks like the only uh, real option for replacing the awning is at PPL Motorhomes in Texas. Uh, their site's not quite up to date. I'd like to have a weather guard uh, at the end of it. I'm just curious, am I missing something? I don't want a, uh, a tent awning, a pole awning, whatever like that. I want it to roll out. Is there another source of carefree awnings that I need to be aware about? Anyway... I wouldn't have called except Frank wanted common folks to give us some questions or comments. Anyway, enjoy the podcast. Talk to y'all later. Bye. Thanks, Tom, for calling in. And I, I hope Frank didn't say common folks call in. I hope he was saying, come on, folks. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering about that. <laughs> you know, 
You know, I think we're all common. Yeah, exactly. I think I fit in that category, too. Exactly. At least I hope I do. <laughs> so, uh, come on, folks. Call in. Thank Tom. I, I, saw the, I, saw the, I saw the post. It did say common folks. Oh. <laughs> well, if you're in the area when you see Frank, I guess you can kiss he's, his ring. He's on probably it. using one of those Apple products that has auto-correcting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There you go. So, uh, okay. <laughs> I know, I know, as, uh, as common, as common windows will go have it. Yes, yes. Well, as, as common, uh, that panel here will try and, uh, answer his question. I know Colin would steer him toward a, a vintage pole awning for his, uh, his 67, but, um, since Obviously he doesn't want that. Yeah, he specifically said he didn't want that. He wants a, a roll up awning, and he, I guess he has a carefree on there. So, um, what do you do when when people do you do you push them do you steer them toward a zip D or uh, what do you, what options do you uh, work with? Well, yeah, basically, if that's what the, if they want a, a rollout awning, just get a new zip D. Um, I mean, if the carefree one is is functional and whatnot, you can certainly have new fabric made, but usually there's bigger issues with them, and typically the ones I've seen anyway, the you know, the, the surface finish is usually pretty oxidized and scraped up, and there always seems to be some bent parts of it. Um, I don't know if all of the bits and pieces are available. Literally, you know, I typically just take the stuff off and get rid of it. Um, shame to say, but I guess I'm not a... Uh, on the more modern trailers, i.e. the 70s and up, um, I think the Zipties look good. Um, the earlier trailers, I don't care for the look of them, but certainly the uh, um, speed of setting them up is is definitely a, an asset. There's no question when I uh, when I'm setting mine up, I sort of go, you know what? It would be really nice to just be able to pull it out. The problem is the pull-out ones don't offer all the wonderful things that my rope and pull does. So it's a matter of choice, I guess. Now, does does Carefree still make them? Uh, curve like that for an airstream? I don't believe so. As far as I know, uh, ZipD is the only one that makes uh, awning for a curved um, shaped trailer. You know, that's as far as I know. But so we'll see. So in, unless the hardware is, you know, basically perfect on Tom's, he's going to be just trying to replace fabric, maybe, and that's not always easy with all the springs and whatnot involved. Right, and you know, springs break too. So, you know, like you could get this beautiful new fabric built, and then you go to put the thing back together again, and, you know, you wind it up, and it's playing. Yeah, it's kind of like opening a can of worms on something, like, mechanical that's old like that that you can't get parts for, so. Yeah, it's 40 years old. It's been out in the weather its whole life. Well, it's, uh, I'm into rebuilding everything, but. That sort of stuff, I want it to work every time. The last thing you want is this thing to come open when you're driving or when you do set up at the campsite, you, you pull on it and it starts doing funny things. Yeah, that could ruin a camp trip real quick. So, Yep. Probably a good zip D. Rob, have you had any trailers with uh, awnings? I've had, I've had a few uh, with the carefree awnings. My 85 had a zip D awning on it. And uh, my first thing when he was talking and about replacing his awning, I, I I skyped over to Colin real quick. Pull 
the only option is to go pulling, pulling rope and pole. <laughs> but uh, uh, I had the carefree, and like Colin said, every every carefree I had, it was so there was pieces that were uh, almost like disintegrating on it because it was so old, and in this, you know, they they weren't uh, bolting into the trailer very well. They were coming apart, and my zip D was good. Um, but there's, there's, you know, zip D's a little pricey. Yeah, but and you can get all the parts. If you have yeah, an old you one, you can get all the exactly. bits and pieces of it breaks. Yep, you can still get pieces for it. And I did, a, you know, some Google search on Carefree and PPL Motorhomes. That's come up, and that's one of his questions. Uh, Carefree of Colorado is still there, but they don't do this, the rounded anymore, so that, that I see. And... Uh, um. You can also go and do a search tempest or something out there for for carefree uh, awnings and try to get some replacement parts that way as well, um, or possibly go to possibly some uh, some of the junkyards that have airstreams in them. But a lot of the '70s Argosies had carefrees. The in the '70s airstreams did have them before they pretty much went zip D. Probably carefree stopped making the round. That's when zip D cornered the market. Yeah, yeah. So sounds like if you want to stick with uh, a rollout kind, Zip D is the way to go. I know I had a Carefree on my '71, and I just I just took it off. Yeah, um, but I guess. Do so you have an awning at all, Tim? No. Well, no. On my '60, I didn't have anything. I have the awning rail. Uh-huh. If I do anything, I would do the rope and pulley. But I'm afraid you don't have I, anything. I have no. I just have the little rail. Time to write a letter. I have an um, yeah. Yeah. Tim. That's right. You got to write another letter. I, you know, I've got the rope and pole, but yeah. I'll tell you, Tim. Listen, the uh, mine I had it made. It was custom made. It's wider, and and in our trailers, you know, they're eighteen feet long. I had it made ten feet deep, so and with walls and everything. So it's, it's a ten by eighteen room on the side of the trailer. It's like a complete other trailer. Yeah. And that you could set mine, up in 15 minutes. Mine's 20 foot long. Yeah. And, uh, I don't have the room, zip-on room like Colin does, but it, it does change the the functionality of the trailer a lot. Oh, yeah. Because a couple of weeks ago for uh, Thanksgiving dinner deal there, we had the walls and the, 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 the fold-out plastic carpet thing and a heater in there, and we had three families inside there for Thanksgiving dinner and all the kids playing games and stuff and we all fit in there no problem. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's why I, I originally said go custom he he said he had a sixty seven Overlander. Yeah. No, it's a uh, yeah, Overlander. Yeah. yeah Overlander. So it'd be a sixteen foot. And uh he could make a nice custom custom pole and rope and it would look nice on that trailer. Really, but I know he he wants to pull up and pull out, and I know I know that the the ease of of the the rollout awning and how that is. Um, but I will say this on my Zip D awning, you got to put it up before you leave the area, um, or, or it'll be flopped over the over the top of your trailer. Whereas the pull and rope, you can p- p- keep it up, and if you got it secured correctly. Uh, in hurricane force winds. <laughs> yeah, I've been out in really tough winds. I have springs on the end of the ropes, and I've got good pegs. And especially with the walls, the wind can't get underneath it. 
and I've you know I've been out in Cape at Cape Hatteras in some pretty heavy winds, and everybody else had folded up their awnings, and mine stayed out there no problem. So, hmm. Yeah, I'm a believer of these things, although they they are more time consuming to to set up. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, and usually it, to to make it more smooth, a two person job on the pulling ropes. If if you've got eighteen twenty foot awnings like Colin and I do, well I. I don't know if I described this before, but uh, I added um, uh, blocks on either end of the rail attached to the roof of the uh, the uh, trailer. Um, I'm a sailor, and basically a, a, an awning rail is much like a mast on a sailboat. So I, when I had the awning built, I had grommets put in on the end right near the uh, the corners. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I tie a rope to that, put it through the block, and lead it back to me on one end. So that way I can pull the awning along the rail and feed it at the same time using both hands. So I can put it up on my own. Oh, that's nice. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I I did it on both ends of the trailer. That way, depending on which way the prevailing winds are, I can lead it in either direction. <laughs> right, right. Cool. Works great. All right, Tom, hopefully that will help, help you out there. Uh, probably not what you wanted to hear, but Zip would be the way to go. If he doesn't, PPL is probably his only source, like he asked. Yeah, make sure that they understand you need the ones with the curved arms, though. Uh, that might be an issue for you. Um, we have a email question in. This came in from the VAP.com website. You can Anybody can go there and go to uh, the Contact Us page and... Uh, Send us your question or comment that way. This one is from uh, Pam Watkins of uh, Ohio. Pam writes, Dear Tim, Colin, Frank, and Rob, I love, love, love your podcast. Thanks so much for entertaining education and all things aluminum. My husband has always been a fan of Airstreams. He purchased and rehabbed, sold two of them, which I know is not many compared to you pros, while I have held uh, tight to white box trailers. I believe that my aversion stems from a deep-seated childhood memories playing hide-and-seek in and around a cousin's Airstream that was packed and overflowing with all manners of scary stuff. <laughs> I could see in the windows and visiting my grandparents where one had been abandoned near, you guessed it, Rob, you'll get this, near a chicken coop. So, she specifically says, so Rob, save a future (laughs) airstream. No more taco mobile chicken coops. (laughs) I was just talking talking with one of our courtesy parkers last week about turning the 58. Caravaner and a chicken coop. Oh, <laughs> you're re- you're having Pam relive her childhood memories here. Um, she continues. Anyway, I'm now a true aluminum convert, having sold my white box uh, trailer and welcoming my husband's latest purchase, a 2034 Excella. Yes, Colin, I know it's not vintage, but wait, there's more. He recovered a '67 Ambassador last week. What? All right, <laughs> Ambassador. That's right. That's the way to go. Only one known. <laughs> Not those sovereigns. And what an adventure that was. She says, but that's his story His story to tell. Having shared all this, I now ask my question. When and how did each of you become an Airstreamer? Welcome. Uh, wishing you all safe travels. Pam Watkins. Thank Pam. Thank you, Pam, for uh, sending that in. So... Uh, let's start with, uh, Rob. Rob, how did you become an Airstreamer? Uh, it goes back to 1998 for me. 
I uh, was out at Monterey Graduate School going through uh, school out there, and I ended up flying home because to attend my grandfather's funeral. And my grandfather, if you listen to the shows, he was a big Airstreamer. And uh, he was president of the of the Susquehanna Lawrence chapter of the WBCCI. And we always had an Airstream on the farm growing up. And a couple of them, we had a 61 and a 67, I think. And so after the funeral, I flew back to into San Jose, and I was driving from San Jose back to Monterey, down the 101, and there in a for sale lot was a 1985 34-foot Limited. And I saw it and went down to school, and that upcoming weekend I drove back out to that resale lot and bought the 1985 34-foot Limited in memory of my grandfather. So, and for the next six months, finished out my grad school living out of the Airstream, uh, hopping around uh, in your neck of the woods, Tim, up to Lake Tahoe and oh, yeah. and uh, out, out to Needles and Yosemite, and I had a blast. And uh, I, I uh, uh, and my parents, they took the train out to Monterey, and they they drove the trailer and. Um, I trucked back to the East Coast for me, so they got a little bit of it, too. And my mom airstreamed with my grandfather. It kind of skipped a generation, and then I, uh, so they got to experience a little towing it back for me. I had to take care of some West Coast things with the Marines before I came out to the East Coast. So, But 1998, so it's 13, 13 14 years ago now, so 20 airstreams later. <laughs> she's only on two she said so right right well she has she owns two now so interesting well the illuminatus is set again don't worry that's right that's right they'll be selling the 2000 <laughs> all right colin how did you get to be an air streamer well mine goes back a little bit further than that um when i was a kid I, uh, I had a buddy who lived, I don't know, a few blocks from me, and he lived next door to his grandparents. And I used to go down and play at his house, and there was this, this trailer sitting in uh, his grandparents' driveway. And he remarked several times that his grandparents went around the world in that trailer. And if you uh, if you get the the around the world book, it's the only Canadian uh, couple that uh, went on that trip. So that was my first memory of an airstream. Uh, I was seven or eight, I guess. And then, oh, about five or six years later, um, my family rented a uh, an SOB, and we wanted to do tour the uh, the maritime provinces to uh, visit um, some relatives and whatnot. Anyway, on the way out there, that was our first trailering excursion. On the way out there. They kept having these <laughs> these rows and rows of these cigar tube looking trailers passing us, you know. <laughs> and then we'd pull over and get gas or something, and then another whole pile of them would go by. And we're going, what on earth is this? Eventually, we got to uh, Lunenburg, Nova Scotia, 
and there was a huge rally going on there. I'm not sure exactly which one it was. This is 1971, 72, something like that. And uh, sure enough, there was thousands of these things. So that that's my origination of seeing it. I didn't actually um, purchase one until uh, 2001 when uh, I had a, an old slide-in camper that I used to use going to, uh, I was uh, used to car race. And uh, basically it was a, an SOB slide-in that was pretty rough. And I said, there's no point in putting a lot of effort into this thing. We're better off to find a, uh, a vintage Airstream and fix it up. And then of course I started doing tons of research on the internet and I found out there was there was more kooky people just like me out there, so uh, that's how I got into it. And then, uh, um, as I guess everybody knows, it hit me pretty hard, and uh, and now I make my living doing it. So, yeah, interesting. It's yeah. kind of well, a little similar to to me. I didn't um, I didn't really see him as a kid or anything around here, but. Uh, I got into it because we went camping with some uh, friends who um, who had just bought a uh, Coleman pop-up, and uh, they wanted us to go camping with them. And you thought that was the greatest? <laughs> no, well, we didn't get to stay in it. We had to, we picked up a uh, actually they loaned us a tent, and we drove eight hours away up to the redwoods uh, near Crescent City, in California, on the coast there. And uh, three of us, and I think two dogs, <laughs> stayed in a little dome pop-up tent. And they were in a nice pop-up uh, trailer with lights and everything. So we're inside this tent, and then, and then uh, the next morning we learned a lot about condensation because all of a sudden it was dripping water from the inside of the tent walls all over us. So that wasn't too great. And uh, so the next day we said, well, forget this, we need a bigger tent. So we went to... Uh, the local Walmart. We bought the biggest tent that they uh, they had. It had three rooms. <laughs> so it was great. Great. The dogs had their own room. So um, even so, we looked over, you know, at night after everything calmed down, and and they'd be our friends would be sitting at the their little dining table in their pop up and with lights on and whatnot, playing cards. And here we were just walking around on our knees in a tent. So I'm like, you know, this this is not the better way they, they have the better way so uh after we got back we promptly returned the tent and started looking for uh for used uh pop-up trailers and we also determined after looking at them that you know, they weren't that great and um didn't have bathrooms so we definitely wanted something with a bathroom um so we decided to look for used trailers so we started looking at used just regular standard sob trailers some other brand besides airstream and found that they were wrecks they were rusty they were you know everything was old just like in a vintage tri airstream but I, get, I started thinking about it. if i get an old you know whatever trailer and put a lot of money into it fixing it up uh, and then we decide we don't really like trailering then i can't really recoup my investment so i said this is not fixing up an old regular trailer was not a, a good uh good way to spend money so that's when i started researching more and somehow i i don't know how on the internet somewhere i came across airstreams and found out that people fixed them up and they even learned that when they did they increased in value 
instead of going down. So I thought, well, that's the thing to do. So we picked up the uh, 71 Airstream, and uh, as you know, we fixed it up and, and used it for four four years or so, and uh, became Airstreamers. So it was mostly about uh, trying to get into it without you know spending a lot of money up front. But then the money that we did spend, we wanted it to make uh, spend it smartly. And uh, I think we did, because when we, uh, when we did sell it to get the uh, Ambassador, we actually sold it for more than we had into it, and even though we got to use it all those years. It's interesting, you know, because a lot of people that, that don't know the trailers at all, they always say, oh, you know, those, those people with those trailers, they must be rich, and they got piles of money. I, I keep tell, trying to tell them that, you know what, it's actually most Airstreamers are really frugal, <laughs> they they want to spend their money once and do it right the first time. Yeah. You know, right. they, they don't want to throw it away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. but like, like you, Tim, uh, you actually you said you sold it for more than you you paid for it, correct? Oh, more than I paid and more than I had invested in it. You know, besides my labor. Yeah. Yeah. That was the same with the '85 when Colin finally. You know, one of our first rallies when we met Colin, and I think it was one of his first rallies, possibly down at the Washington, down at the Washington DC at the Cherry Blossom Cherry Blossom Festival, and uh, that's when he started working his magic of convincing me to go vintage. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, I used that from '98 to 2005, and did some little upgrades here and there. Um, but sold it for exactly what I paid for it after using it for seven years, and uh, uh, got a lot out of it, and you know didn't didn't lose anything that I was able to turn around into the the 1958. Yeah. And, cool. Um, so and yeah, they their value and I, I people say airstreamers are rich. Well, they're rich in RVing, the life of RVing because it's so nice. <laughs> right. But, but you know, what a lot of people don't quite understand is, you know, and you guys, I mean, I think we all get it, but the the people that aren't into it don't quite get it is, you know, every morning I wake up and I look around and say, man, this thing is cool. Even 10 years later, I'm st- I still do that in my trailer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And everybody that walks by says that, too. Yeah. I mean, I don't care who it is in the in the campground. When they walk by, they're either talking about it, and you can hear them, or they're pointing at it as they walk by. And nobody can believe how old it is. I know. I know. I remember. Uh, see, well, that was two. It was two thousand one July when we got that seventy one. So that's when I became an airstreamer. But I remember when we were when we took it out to um, Yosemite one time. We were camped out there, and there was another guy who was down uh, about five or six campgrounds or campsites away from us and he always played Beatles music so we started calling him Beatles and uh, I remember I walked by there to walk to do something with the kids or something and he, he started talking to me and he said is that your Airstream over there and I said yeah he said oh well he goes that's really nice he goes you know that Airstream is, that Airstream is worth more than this trailer over here and he pointed to like you know a brand new you know really nice trailer but he says yours is worth <laughs> yours is worth a lot more <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was nice. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yep. So thanks, Pam. That was an interesting question, and uh, wish you luck on your new '67 Ambassador, and 
please remember to call in if you have any questions and uh, send us some pictures along the way. I'd really like to see that. Let's move on to um, a question from Nick. Nick in Virginia has a 53 Cruiser, and he wants to know about elevator bolts and insulation. So let's uh, give a listen to uh, Nick's question here. Hey, guys. Nick from Front Royal, Virginia. Um, this is my take two. I called somebody else's line and left them this whole message, so we'll try this again. <laughs> um, I'm restoring a 1953 Cruiser and have a couple questions, the first one being about elevator bolts. Um, should I be using Loctite on these elevator bolts uh, when I'm replacing the floor or just bending the bolt good enough? Um, and then the other question I Yeah, let's take them one at a time. Uh, <laughs> well, I hope whoever he called uh, has a good answer for him. Anyway, <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Um, so elevator, elevator bolts. bolts. Elevator <laughs> bolts are for uh, holding the subfloor back onto the frame, right? Correct. They're like a carriage bolt with a big flathead. That's right. I keep the, they keep the trailer from going up and down. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> they should be anti-elevator bolts. Yeah. So should he use Loctite or nah. just bend them like the factory did? What's the deal? Yeah, the fact. Well, you know, believe it or not, I don't even bend them anymore. Um, the uh, the factory used to bend them all over. If you look at one of the real old uh, fabrication videos, uh, he shows them where they're bending them over. I used to put a, a, a little tube on them and just tweak them a little bit. But you know, I, I put. Uh, um, automotive undercoating on the whole underside of the thing, so the the threads and everything all get coated with stuff anyway. I think it's unlikely that any of this is going to come undone with some kind of goo on the threads to begin with. But if you want to put Loctite, uh, mm-hmm. certainly not going to be worse. But uh, I, thought you, I, I, I thought you were going to say like last show where they don't the factory doesn't use the steel plate up front, Colin. I thought you were going to say they don't use elevator bolts. <laughs> They, well, they don't actually. Oh. They, they're using a different bolt now. No, they don't use a bolt. They use um, their—I uh, forget exactly what they're called—but they're self-drilling, self-tapping screws. Hmm. And quite frankly, they are very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they're good for uh, blind fasting uh, situations. Right, right. Uh, and I use them in certain areas, but uh, the whole construction of the thing, no, I, I put them down with elevator bolts still, um, regardless of the era. But the, the other ones, they put them in quickly, and they, they drill. And that, What my concern with it is, is that the thickness of the cross members that they drill into is only maybe 90,000 thick. So you've only got a couple of threads that are actually uh, threading into it. But... You know what, in fairness, I've never seen them fall out, so they're obviously good. I believe those screws were developed to hold, um, you know, truck body floors down to the to the, st- the structure, so I don't think there's anything wrong with that approach. I think it was, they started using those in the 70s, uh, right up until today. Hmm, interesting. All right, let's continue on with the uh, next question here. Uh, it was about insulating the floor. I was planning on using... Uh, gluing two-inch foam board to insulate the floor. However, I'm wondering if this is going to be a problem at water collecting down the road um, and possibly rotting out the floor. What would you guys suggest? A lot of you know, the camping we do is in the late fall and winter, so I think I should be using some type of insulation on the floor. What are some of the options? And uh, would it be just a better option not using any insulation at all? Um, thanks a lot, guys. I love the show. 
listening to you guys always gets me inspired to get out there and tackle another piece of the project. Keep up the good work. Thanks again. Bye. Thanks, Nick, for calling that in. Uh, yeah, insulation underneath the floor. What's the... What? In the sort of mid-60s and earlier, it was all fiberglass insulation, and sort of uh, late 60s and on, it was all fiberglass uh, up until fairly recently. I know in around 67, 68, they, uh, they tried a shot where they sprayed insulation on the underside. And any of the trailers I found with that stuff in it, the floor is far worse and the chassis is far worse than any of the other ones that didn't have it. So um, I like to put stuff together that's relatively easy to disassemble the next go-around. The spray-in stuff, it's, it just gobs up everything. Um, I use uh, Reflectex uh, insulation, which is that aluminized bubble wrap. We staple it on the underside of the floor and, and then add fiberglass insulation in the remainder of the cavity. Uh, I know uh, Airstream currently uses uh, a Reflectex-type product. I'm not sure who makes it, but uh, I did uh, kind of sample off one of my clients, and it was actually thinner than the Reflectex stuff that I find at uh, Lowe's, I think, which is similar to, I think people call it Prodex or something. Not sure, but anyway, we don't have it in this area. Anyway, um, Airstream claimed that that had a similar insulation value to the fiberglass that was in the floor originally. Um, I put both in, so my floors are, you know, you're looking at probably our 25, R30, something like that with... Uh, uh, with a five-inch uh, thick floor, with with both of those in it, and that's that'll keep you toasty and warm, so or cool you, as the case may be. So he, but he's worried about the uh, fiberglass getting wet and you know rotting out his frame, I guess, over time. So how do you, when you put that in there, how do you keep that from happening? Well, you know, a lot of people think that the water all comes from below. And I run by, you know, like the basic plumbing principle of bleep, bleep, runs downhill. And um, when trailers leak, you know, they, the, the runs down the inside of the walls, it gets down into the sea channels. I think that's how most of the water gets into the belly pan area. I don't think it comes up from below. I think it drops from above. Um, so I don't seal up belly pans at all. I mean, they're all riveted closed and whatnot, but I don't put any Volcom on any of the joints because I believe that they should uh, have a chance to breathe. Right. Yep. So if he was really concerned, he could just go... I'm still going commando. Commando? My stream's still going commando. There's nothing under there. (laughs) You don't have a belly pan on yet? Nope. (laughs) All right. What's the holdup? What's the problem? What's the holdup? Yeah. Time. 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 It's breathe. It breathes nice. Uh, I I just haven't put one in. So there's, there's, I, the only insulation I've got is any of the insulation around the the corners that Callum put on when I was up in his shop. That's, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I've got in there. But through this whole center part of the frame, there's it's still going commando. And, and you know what, Rob? What? Mine's the same. <laughs> I learned it from the pro, <laughs> and and the reason for that is because I um, I've just recently got my uh, my gray tanks, 
and that's I've been waiting for those and to have time to deal with it. But the the gray tanks are going in there, then the whole thing's going to be all closed up. That, that's my reason too, Tim. My gray tanks aren't installed yet either. So, oh, black. so my tank is installed. My insulation is back in place, and my belly pan's in place. But uh, so it, well, whoopee do, Tim. <laughs> and I'm not even a pro. But I mean, it's snowing out. You know, if I've got a heater in, I just wear a pair of slippers in the camper, and I, you know, so it's my, you know, because the floor will be cold if, without it. But I, it would be interesting to study the floor temperature with it and without it when you're out camping in the fall when it's 45 degrees out. I don't think there'll be a, that much of a difference, but maybe there will be. Yeah, I think there is. But you know what I do? I just have um, throw carpets. Mm-hmm. And that I've makes couple, a huge difference. I've got a couple of throw carpets as well. I'll have to get one because I don't even have a heater in there anymore. Yeah, yeah but you live in California. It never yeah. rains or never gets cold. That's right. So <laughs> I, I guess if Nick was real concerned, he could just go with the Reflectix and staple that and then, and then close it up without any insulation. He, exactly. That's what the factory, that's how they're built today. So... I mean, I, I I always like to take it further than what the factory does. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and, you know, I'll tell you, fiberglass really doesn't cost an awful lot of money. No. Yeah. Especially yeah, when, as much as you're putting in there. 30 bucks. Yeah, because you, you have to take the thickness that they, you buy in the store and divide it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, the, I, I can put on a 4-inch deep frame, you can put R13. And the five-inch ones, you can put our 19, I think it is. Yep. But uh, I, w- I will say, when we did the frame on the... When when you do tear into them in the old ones, and it, where you found wet insulation is probably where you had found holes in the frame, correct? Yeah. And the, yep. r- the roof is all leaking, the floor is rotted out, because it's all been coming down from above. Yep, yep. And uh, And that stuff, once it does get wet, it does hold it. All right. Uh, thanks, Nick, for calling that in. Let's keep moving, guys. We we have a question uh, from Nancy, who uh, wrote uh, wrote a question from the VAP con- contact page, and I think she has a problem we're just now talking about about leaks from above. Let's see what you guys think. Nancy writes: We appear to have a serious leak at the bathroom window area of our 1963 Globe Trotter. We thought a new window, gaskets, and resealing the gutter would solve the problem. Alas, it didn't. It appears the water drips in at the top of the window area where there might be caulking, she's asking. Uh, hard to tell because of the Zoltone paint over it. Uh, the window is not leaking. I don't know if I'm clear. We have not sealed the seams outside of the windows because they look good. Uh, nor have we taken the Airstream sign off to check underneath there, but they're on our to-do list. Any suggestions? So she, she's taken the window, resealed it, we put new gaskets on, resealed the little gutter right above the rear window on her 63, but she still appears to be leaking water. Okay, well, you know... I had the same thing on my 60. Look, look, look higher. Roof vent or, or vent, get, vent stack. Yeah, and not only that, the uh, the joints on the end cap sections. Yeah, mine was the seams. Yeah. Yeah, yep. and do a leak, you know find somebody you know I've got a leak testing machine, but they are out there at other RV shops. Um, but that's typically uh, where the problems are. I had a guy that uh, he chased and chased and chased leaks uh, 
forever. And then uh, he tried uh, gooping all those seams at the back, and he brought brought the trailer over, and we put the leak tester on. I scraped all his silicone goobering off there, and it was it was on one of those seams, but the leak was higher up. So we uh, we put Vulcan on on all of those seams and uh, just saved his trailer. And he's owned that it's a '65, and he's owned it since '69. Wow, pretty cool. Yeah, Nancy, if you go to thevap.com slash blog, I don't know how far back, pretty far back, but during the restoration of my 60, I had the exact same problem as you. I, I replaced the uh, rear window mostly because it was a uh, a brittle plastic that somebody had put in there. and I, So I put new glass and uh, sealed it all up and thought I was doing all right. And then contrary, contrary to uh, Colin's understanding, we did have rain. <laughs> And I had water all in the bathroom uh, near that window, and it just really, as you probably tell from my blog post when you read it, it really upset me pretty bad. Uh, I ended up having to throw a tarp over the back of the trailer, which was terrible. But anyway, what what it ended up being was all the seams on the end cap, like Colin just referred to. And I got up there, cleaned it, washed it off, and then I used um, a Parabond. It's like uh, seal it in like a little tube. And mm-hmm. I, I use that on all the seams, all the seams going down and over and on the whole back end there. And then I just, for fun, I did the front end too, the whole uh, the whole end caps. And then uh, the next rains, nothing. It was in good shape. But that wasn't before I pulled the whole window framing off and looked all around and pulled the inside vent off and looked all around. None of that was it. So another place too is uh, I had a leak couple last year maybe my fantastic vent where uh the screws had cracked um the corner of the uh the mounting screws had cracked frame. the plastic frame yeah like they all do like they all do so yeah probably pan head screws and big washers <laughs> yeah <laughs> you put those on that was show number what tim <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know I don't remember. so uh yeah, check check all those themes, and uh, if you can have it have it leak tested, but make sure somebody knows what they're doing. But um, I would I would seal those themes anyway with with uh, the parbon. So good luck with that. I'm sure you'll figure it out. You will prevail because you have to. We yes. have we have. Uh, <laughs> I'm still I'm still stuck on how Nick realized he didn't call the VAP. Uh, yeah. I know. Yeah, I know. Do you, do, you think the lady, do you think the lady called him back? Who? I'm not the map. But <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. well, why don't you just buy a new trailer? <laughs> yeah. You know, Nick was the he was the like the good friend that went on the recovery mission of the '58 Caravan with me, Tim. So uh, uh, down there in Front Royal, he he converted that caravaner or the cruiser that he has and from a single axle to a double axle. So he's, he's Mm. He's, he's, move, he's moving along on it. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, I shipped them the axles probably six months ago, I guess. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. Yep. Well, let's keep going, guys. We still have uh, a few to go here. We got a twenty-seven more questions. Yeah, we have more questions yeah. from all the common folk. I know. Come, come on, <laughs> folks. <laughs> We've got one here from um, uh, quite an entertaining question from your guys' friend, Danson Hansen. And a special shout-out to Rob, 
He, he's the winner of the uh, the birthday bash uh, giveaway or whatever. Yeah, right. I think he's he's has a question for Rob on that. Let's go ahead and uh, play his question here. Finally, going to take the lid off that 66 Safari, that blue Safari. I want to know how to brace that thing. I got to brace it. It's inside the barn. I got the frame all leveled up. I just want to know how to, how much wood to use in there, what kind of screws. Tell me all about that internal bracing. And then, and then. Once I got it braced, how to pop those rivets out, how to chain that thing up, and yank it off, baby. I want to get the top off, just like New Orleans. I tried throwing beads at it. The top stays on. So, that's my question. <laughs> if you can answer that, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Close circuit to Rob. I sent you an email. I'm still having trouble getting the title on the 64 trade wind. Shouldn't be a big deal, but if you can find that title, ship it my way. You got my address. All right. I'm going to go out here with a little freestyling because I know people on the VAP dig freestyling. Carry on, Vapsters. Peace out. Yeah. <laughs> Rob, I think you have some competition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get to pull out Rob's ditty, huh? I want to yeah. step, up, step up my game here. Yep, yep. Very nice. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, didn't have, I didn't have music in the background. I'll have to try that yeah. next time. Oh, yeah. you got to have the beat, man. And, and turn the music up louder. <laughs> A question <laughs> for the panel of pros. There you go. It's got a ring to it. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I'm working. I'm working on the. We. we I. I know. I sent him the registration for that 64 trade. When I'll go and get another duplicate copy of it and shoot it his way. Going from New York registration to Minnesota. We're having some snags. Why? Right. Maybe. Maybe I should challenge challenge him to getting the shell off. I'll I'll work on a 58 caravan while he works on a safari. And uh, so I want to be listening closely here, too, on what screws we use for bracing, because I've never done it before. Right. Well, I'm going to tell you guys it's really easy. <laughs> <laughs> Just pay you to do it, right? No, well, that, that, so I'll let that be easy, I suppose. It all depends on your, your bank balance, I suppose. But, uh, all right. How do you do it the right way? I don't use any bracing. No. Nothing. What? Really. 
Absolutely nothing. I used to. When we used to take them outside, we would brace them all up. And, um, and, uh, but, um, the only thing we do now is on the earlier ones that don't have a, 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 a frame, a door frame with a base on it, mm-hmm. we screw a piece of plywood across, you know, like, I don't know, eight, ten inches high across the bottom of the door frame so the door, um, uh, so that stays together. It doesn't move at all. But other than that, we do nothing. Yeah. And basically, we lift it up with the uh, with the gantries, and uh, and we lift it from the uh, from the um, uh, roof vent holes, mm-hmm. and then we lower it down onto a. Uh, I've got a couple of buggies that are made out of. Um, they're actually old pallets from uh, aluminum uh, sheet deliveries that I was getting. These big hardwood pallets, and we put giant uh, pneumatic casters on these things and you just lower the bodies onto this and uh, you can roll it around and it sits on there on the edge of the aluminum quite well because the whole body's not very heavy. The, um, yeah, if you look in the magazines or the old old books, you know, there are guys carrying the frames, you know, on the advertising of how, trying to show how light they were, they were just carrying the, the shells. Yeah. Interesting. We did that on a Bambi, two of us. Me and uh, mm-hmm. Reed, we, we lifted up the Bambi body and lifted, carried it right off the trailer. Uh, so, yeah, do you put some type of a board or something in the inside the trailer through the roof fence and and pull on that, or what do you yeah. pull? On? <laughs> yeah, we've got like a two by eight or something like that. I think that's what we use two by eight, two by ten, and I covered it with carpet, mm-hmm. and then I put a big eye bolt through it. And I hooked a chain block to the eye bolt coming through the uh, the roof vent hole. You just okay. make sure that that board straddles the the framework, basically the main ribs that are inside there. Right, right. And uh, no, we haven't had any problems at all, and we've done a lot of them that way. And if you go look in the in the books, uh, like you were saying, you can actually see if you really look at the pictures. That's how they did it in the factory when the trailer was built. Mm-hmm. Now, you're not moving it then. You're lifting it, and it stays, and you pull the frame out and push the frame back probably, right, and you just lower it? You're not well, no, we, we lift it up, and we pull the frame out, and then we, uh, um, you can lo- we lower it down onto those buggies. Or we can actually move. We've got adapters to link the gantries together. So you can actually roll the gantries and everything with um, all in one piece. But you could put the buggies underneath it right away. His second question was how, after you got it all hooked up to raise it, how do you uh, remove the rivets holding it on? You drill them out. Once it's all ready, you you go all the way around the the lower part of the body, and you drill, and then you just keep pulling on the chain block and checking all the way around, uh, and eventually the the two uh, break free. Hmm. All right. Like, Rob, you could, you know, if it's in your barn, you could just lift it up and... Put it over in a corner, lift it from over there, and leave it hanging. Right, right. That's what I'm planning on doing. No frame. Hmm. Nope. Interesting. Well, I was going to brace it up, but maybe not now. I'll All just right. set it back. Either hang it, leave it hanging or set it back down on the haymow floor. I'll probably dance and Hanson want you to give it a shot first and then let him know how it turned out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, early on, I was paranoid about this, you know, and uh, and we used to, at the old, old shop, we didn't have a, a lot of ceiling height, 
So we'd have to lift things off outside, and we didn't have a place to put them inside. So we'd have to triangulate everything and then strap it down onto a flatbed trailer to keep, you know, because we had a lot of wind at the old at the old shop. And I was always worried that, you know, the body would blow away and roll up in a ball somewhere. <laughs> Basically, the thing would be junk at that point. What was that? That was, that was your shell rolling down the runway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I'll tell you what, when the when the body when you put the body down onto the floor, it looks like the ultimate garden shed. Yeah, yeah, nice. sure. Put your lawnmower in there. In yeah. fifty years and fifty years from now when they're doing a two thousand eight trailer, they're gonna have to they won't be able to do that. They'll have to take it apart in thirds. Yeah, well the funny thing is the new <laughs> ones they actually put the floor on uh on the body before the, the body is put onto the chassis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a different construction technique, and you're right. Uh, the roof and there's the wall sections are are all separate. Right, Where, right. You know, back in the older days, it was you know it was all sort of uh, integral construction. All right, right, guys, let's move on. We got uh, a few more questions. One more uh, voicemail. Um, we got a question, couple questions here from uh, the VAP Facebook page. Uh, this one's from Mike. He says, uh, Centeramic wheel balancers, do you really like them, or are they snake oil? I've heard you guys mention them on the shows, but I've never gotten a consensus from the panel if they were necessary or worth the effort. Colin, being a car guy, probably knows what a fluid dynamic harmonic balancer is. Does this work on the same principle, or are balancers something to consider? Well, so they work on the same principle. Well, it, it's it's a uh, centrifugal balancing. I don't know if it's by fluid or not. I think it's beads or something inside there. It's somewhat simpler. Um, you know, our our, our friend uh, who loves to balance the running gear um, has decided selling these things is easier than convincing everybody to go to Southern California, I guess. But um, I'm still a. I don't have anything against them, and I think they probably work very well. But I'm still a big proponent to go to your local tire shop and get your tire and wheels balanced properly on a good dynamic balancer. <laughs> you know, and leave it at that. Yeah, just like just like you do when you're doing your car. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Now sometimes they do ask you, "Are you sure it's for a trailer?" And you just say, "Yes." <laughs> Yeah, I know. It. I say, look, just do it, okay? Just do it, okay? Okay, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pay the extra four fifty. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I'm giving you work. Don't complain. <laughs> uh, let's see. Doug Bacon writes <clears throat> on the Facebook page as well. Doug says, um, let's see. Just thought of a couple questions for the pros. I've looked on the forums a bit, but haven't found my answer yet. How is the connection between the toilet flange and the black tank made? Is the collar and flange glued solid or done with some kind of uh, something flexible? That's his first question. How is the connection between the toilet flange and the black tank made? The rubber rubber O-ring gasket thing that's, depending on the era, they have some old ones that were sort of a big, thick, uh, tapered-type gasket. 
and the newer ones are a smaller type gasket, but it's got holes uh, in it, and three or four holes to uh, line up the bolts to the the T bolts to the uh, base of the uh, toilet. But um, yeah, that's, they don't use wax gaskets in uh, in trailers like they do in houses. No, no. See my uh, my toilet. Let's see, what was that? That the flange piece that you mount that you bolt the toilet to. It it had threads in it. I thought that you screwed into the top of the tank, the black tank, and then you screwed screwed that down with eight stainless steel screws to the floor, and then the the toilet had that rubber gasket like you're talking about that went into the fl- toilet flange, right? Yeah, there's a few other versions out there depending on the era, but the modern stuff, there's uh, basically a a flange on the top of the black tank. Uh, They call it a closet flange, I believe, and that accepts T-bolts, and those T-bolts sort of hook in into like a a slot, and -hmm. those bolts go up through um, holes in the base of the toilet. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very much like a house toilet, except for it's yeah. not a wax ring, it's a rubber rubber gasket. Exactly. That seals it. He continues, my wife was wondering about the effects of polishing aluminum. What precautions do you guys use? A real case of, do you get a real case of aluminitis from ingesting dust in the polish compound? That can't be good. That must be it. <laughs> yeah, we got Alzheimer's, I think. Uh, I can't remember the question. What? <laughs> I set I set the I set the alarms at the airports off. I tell them, hey guys, it's just aluminum dust. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's it's a dirty, dirty, dirty job. No matter how you cut it. Precautions. You wear a mask. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Yeah, it's a dust mask basically, but. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of the same way. I mean, it's you know I usually don't go on this for. I mean, my my arms just won't put up with it. You can't go for hours and hours and hours doing this. It just it'll kill you. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah, little uh, mask wouldn't wait. Um, Doug has a couple more questions here. I see another post for AC. Does a window unit mounted in a cupboard or under a bed and duct ducted work out okay or is the standard roof unit best? Every roof unit I have heard is noisy to run, not to mention big and white thing on the roof. So Roof roof. Uh, yeah, roof roof. He's it, is, it is noisy. The roof one is noisy. He's trying to hide a uh, standard house window unit. Yep, that's Collins that's Collins Forte. Yeah, I'll I'll tell you the they work, but the problem is really ducting. You 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 put it on the floor, and we've we've gone through this, and it's I've never really found this perfect solution. I I think I probably have now because we're going a little bit further with it. Where you really need to duct the cold air away from that window unit, where the um, where the uh, where the air is recirculating through the air conditioner. So you have to separate those two as far apart as possible. Then you'll get some actual flow going on in the whole trailer. Um, what I've got in mind uh, is, well, I think we've discussed this, but it's an, it, it was put in by the factory back in 1959. 
or at least that's what the granddaughter of the original owner said. Um, and it, it works pretty well. Uh, what I did when I went to the uh, Perry Georgia International some years ago, I put one in the front window, which to me, you know, it's the cheap, cheapest way because I, I rarely need the air conditioner, and when I do need it, I know I'm going to need it, so I'll take it with me. But I've got a little shelf that goes up on the front, uh, sits on top of the propane tanks and the window frame, and this 10,000 BTU air conditioner just sits in there, and the window is cranked out and lowered down on top of the air conditioner. You can't drive with it in there like that, of course. But it literally takes 10 minutes to install. And um, it blows straight back through the trailer. It's got a remote control, and the whole air conditioner is like 150 bucks. And when it dies, you just throw it away and get another one. So it's kind of like your awning. Just set it up when you need it. Yeah, you know what... Uh, you know, like, I, I bring an extra heater in the awning when I'm going in cold weather, but in the warm weather, you can bring an air conditioner. You, and depending on whether the campgrounds you go to are going to have services or not. So I sort of tailor tailor my uh, the stuff I bring to with um, the, the weather and what I'm planning to do there. Doug has one final uh, question here. He says, uh, I read... A blog post about every Airstreamer's nightmare about losing a tire or rim and breaking off the studs on their freshly restored 59 uh, Overlander named Someday. Uh, do you check the lugs before every trip? Is there more problems with aluminum wheels or steel wheels? Well, my guess is there's probably more problem with with aluminum wheels, but... Really, after you put them on, you should uh, retorque them after you know 100 miles or so. But after that, you shouldn't have to do anything. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember specifically my aluminum wheels came with that instruction. It was either 50 or 100 miles, and I think I checked them a couple of times, and they actually did get loose. Um, and I had to, I had to have a torque wrench to uh, set them to. I forget what it was now. But, yeah, after I did it first, I think I did it two or three times on that first trip. And then after that, they never needed never needed more tightening. So, definitely. If they, if they get loose, that's when they're going to bust your studs. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they start rocking all over the place. And they make yep. giant holes in the wheels. And it becomes a, quite the nightmare. So, definitely, definitely check them out that first time. Okay, one last voicemail, and we'll have got through it all, guys. Boy, what a long show. Appreciate everybody, <laughs> wow. appreciate everybody uh, getting a hold of us here. You can probably hear my dog out there. There's uh, obviously a lot of common folk out there. Yes. <laughs> Come on, folks. <laughs> this is a, uh, a voice memo Eric, Eric sent in. And uh, he's from Massachusetts, got a 62 Safari, and he's asked, he's got questions about a floor, a heater, and air conditioner. After looking high and low for a vintage trailer, uh, traveling as far west as Wisconsin and uh, into New York State a couple times, found one in my own backyard about two miles away. It's a 62 Safari um, in complete original um, construct still. Uh, it's got all the... All the appliances, everything is there intact, including some of the uh, window, exterior window shades, kind of unique. Wondering uh, 
what you guys do with the uh, wonder material flooring that is original to those trailers. How do you dispose of that uh, when you remove it? Remove it. Um, I'm going to have probably a series of questions as we go down the road with this. Um, and uh, look and uh, get some of your recommendations. Um, I really do like the old hair vents. Um, are they worthy of keeping or do you guys automatically change them out? Um, the other thing is the way this uh, battery system is set up, I guess it charges from the tow vehicle. And for short term, is there a way that I can uh, set up a system so the battery will charge off the 110? I suppose I can buy a little battery charger, but just wonder what you guys might recommend on that one. Um, the heater is an international oil burner. I'm awful glad that I read the forums and listened to you guys uh, before I started messing around with that. It looks to be in awfully good shape, but I guess it's just not worth the risk. Um, for a safari that size, what would you recommend for a heater? I'm figuring that uh, probably be an NT30, but uh, um, you guys probably know better on that one as well. We're looking at options as far as air conditioning. I kind of hate to rip open the, uh, the roof seeing as it's probably not set up for air conditioning to begin with or there are other options that you've used. Um, and again, like I said, over the course of events, I'm sure I'll be calling with a whole lot more questions. And notice that the interior on this is different than our 76 Tradewind in that um, the top interior panel seems to be buck riveted to the panels that are next down the wall and then the final panels uh, down the wall. Uh, look to use pop rivets to place them in. Do you guys drill out those buck rivets uh, when you take out the interior um, and then put it back in or do you use pop rivets when you um, go back to uh, uh, install that interior again? Um, we're looking to probably have a combination of do-it-yourself and hire-it-out kind of things and probably first thing we're going to do is put a new axle on because um, it's riding pretty low very difficult to get the wheels on and off and uh, sure don't want to tear up the trailer because I got a bad axle. Anyway, that kind of does it for this week anyway and uh, hope to be talking to you guys again soon. Thanks for any help you can give us and uh, looking forward to this journey. Uh, it uh, tickles me to death and I found it two miles away and didn't even have to cross a state highway to get a home and uh, appreciate again what you guys do. Thanks. Thanks, Eric, for uh, sending that in. He emailed a uh, audio file to us at questions at the com. So if you have one a preferred way of doing it that way, that's the way to do it. Quite a few things he had in that. Uh, I hope you, hope you were writing them down. I was then. trying to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I got a bunch of them, I think. Okay, the flooring. We could, we could probably go, well, episode 47, episode 69, episode whatever. <laughs> I know. But the, those whole, that whole tile thing, yeah. you know, I used, to, I used to spend hours and hours trying to take those things off. And you know what? It's faster, easier, better. It's just changed the floor. Because it's half-rotted anyway, more than likely. And you've got a bunch of other issues you really want to look at in there, be it chassis issues, da 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 And you can eliminate all those problems just by 
changing the floor right off the bat. Now, it's a lot more work in some respects, but you get so much better job that it's uh, it's we don't try to remove those tiles anymore because it's they're an absolute nightmare not to mention you know they they purportedly have you know asbestos in the in the tar or something like that so i don't think that they're the best thing to uh, work with for your lungs okay um uh heater heater size for uh his 62 safari well I like the catalytics myself because they're simple, easy, not expensive, don't take up a lot of room, super efficient, um, don't use power. So, and you can safari, size them. Safari, probably Safari, what, what size of the catalytic? A wave 3 or a. Well, it really depends. I would probably go with, you know, this part of the country. You know, if you want to camp up until sort of around now. My guess would probably be a 6,000 or maybe a three in the front and a three in the back, something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just wanted to go to, like, Labor Day or maybe into early October uh, and not really go where it's going to get real cold, you know, one 3,000 would probably do it. Quite frankly, a 6,000 is, what, 50 bucks more than a 3,000, I think, so. Right, right. So the air conditioner we actually covered in the question we just did. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Putting one on the roof, and he probably doesn't have the uh, electrical and bracing up there for, on the roof as it stands now anyway. If he would try and to the drip it. tube and et cetera. So. But he, he did ask about the buck rivets in the panel, and if he's taking the panel down anyway, he could run a wire up there. True. But you know which what? Which we'll, we'll get to here in a minute about the big panel. Yeah. Anytime you see bucked rivets, that means that somebody had to be on the other side of the panel to stick it together, which means what they did is they they put three panels together on a bench somewhere. They rolled the whole thing up, and it went through the door. And once it got in the door, then they unrolled it, and that's how they fitted it onto the trailer. So don't drill out any bucked mm-hmm. rivets that you see inside the trailer, be it on a 13-panel interior end cap or the main interior ceiling structures. Don't ever drill any of that stuff out. I had one client that uh, he spent hours drilling out all these buck rivets. <laughs> and then I Oh, said, my goodness. I said, now you're going to have to pay me to put them all back in again. <laughs> right. know, and there was no reason to do that. You just, you just <laughs> lower that big panel and roll it right up. And uh, and they do roll up because that, that's how the thing was put together originally. Okay. Yeah. Uh, air vents worth uh, rebuilding and saving, or ditch them and uh, replace them with something new? Uh, that's. I mean, I have vintage ones in my trailer because the whole trailer is kind of a survivor. Um, a lot of people want to go in that direction. A lot of people want to have super efficiency and modern speeds and which I can appreciate, you know, it's, I would love to have that at times, but I've lived within the, uh, the limits of 1959 for some time. I open up side windows, but, um, you know, 
either way, what I can tell you is if you get a fantastic vent um, from Vintage Trailer Supply, they've got these flat lids, and you can take the original hair vent aluminum cover. If you take the inside uh, panel off that cover, they will fit right over top of the gray plastic lid that's on the new uh, Fantastic Vent, and you put it on with uh, some stainless machine screws, polished all up, and from the outside, it's going to look exactly correct, um, although it'll be total new functionality on the inside. So. All right, and then his last question, we're trying to blast through these, I know, is a battery charger, wanting to be able to charge his battery by plugging in and... Uh, I think we're going to recommend a new charger anyway. That's why you're in there. So, uh. Yeah, and then telepowered charger is probably the way to go. That's what I use on everything. That's what's in yours, I guess. And Rob's, yours has that too, um, I believe. Right. But you know what? In the interim, if you just want to make this happen right now, uh, you know, you can put, uh, if you've got a battery charger in the garage or something, it's not necessarily the greatest thing, but uh, it's going to work. I survived that way for a little while early on, and then I put the IntelliPower in, and now it's, you know, you just plug the trailer in and forget about it. Um, it just works, you know. All right. Thanks, Eric, for uh, saying that to us. I appreciate uh, taking the time to do that. And for all the other uh, listeners out there who, who called in or emailed or Facebooked their questions, really makes for a lot funner show for us, I know. Otherwise, we got to talk about that stuff Colin finds in belly pans, and nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> so uh, until next time, guys, we will talk to you next time. And, hope Frank, hope you feel better out there, and uh, we'll be back in uh, two weeks. Good night, all. Sounds good. Good night, everybody. go out here with a little freestyling because I know people on the VAP dig freestyling. <laughs> I got a question for the panel. Carry on, Vapsters. Peace out.